Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Today's sponsor is Peterson Toyota. They just unveiled the first look at the 2022 Toyota Tundra. You can check out their website or their Facebook page and see some of the pictures of the, the new body and the interior. It's the first full body redesign since 2007. Really classy looking on both fronts. As for performance, you can expect power, terrific all-terrain handling. They also got advanced towing technologies and much more. Peterson is the largest dealership in Northern Colorado. They've been doing it 50 years. They got great prices, great selection. Their staff will help you find the car or truck that's right for you. If you're in the market for a new truck or any new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. It is homecoming week. CSU takes on reigning Mountain West champ San Jose State. Yes, that is very weird for me to say. Saturday at 1.30 p.m. It is so great to have an afternoon kickoff, especially for homecoming. My wife and I were in Montana State for family weekend this past weekend visiting our son. They had a 1 p.m. kickoff. It's just a beautiful thing to be sitting in the sunshine, uh, tailgating in the morning and early afternoon. You know, same thing with the Iowa game being there for a 2.30 local kickoff. There's just something about being able to tailgate and, and, and watch a game in the sunshine, the warm sunshine. It's great. You know, I will say that uh, you know, it's the first time I've ever seen a game there, but, you know, obviously a much smaller stadium. I think it probably holds 18,000, something like that. But uh, those locals there in Bozeman support their team. You know, it was full. It was loud. Even, even up 40 to 7, it was loud. But I did notice, you know, a fair amount of students leaving at halftime and uh, some some of the alumni side is left at halftime. So I, I don't think that's an epidemic that's related only to, to CSU, but um, it was interesting to watch UNC play. That was who Montana State played. They beat them 40 to 7. Uh, Dylan McCaffrey, who some Ram fans thought would be looking good in green and gold after he announced he was transferring from Michigan. He really struggled, had three bad picks in that game, just didn't look very sharp, but uh Anyway, today we are happy to bring in Athletic Director Joe Parker. He joins us once a month, and uh, we got quite a bit to talk to you today. Joe, I think uh, you've probably had a fair amount of things going on recently, so glad you're taking a little bit of time to chat with us. How's everything going? Things are good. Yeah, it's been a, a busy uh, busy fall, particularly the last two, three weeks, where, where uh, some, some different kind of energy and different kinds of activity coming across my desk, so it was... Uh, it's been good, but you know, all the fall sports are, are launched and active and starting to see how each of the seasons is going to shape up for those programs and, and uh, you know, feel really good about where we're at. We're coming off a of bye week for football and we had um, volleyball and soccer on the road this last weekend. So as I mentioned before, we went on, on a recording that, you know, it was kind of nice for those of us, um, you know, that weren't traveling with those two teams to be able to kind of refocus and get a few things done on the home front. So, Joe, um, Athletics had a very exciting announcement this morning. Uh, we now have a partnership with, is it Avoca TV? Ivaca, yeah. Ivaca, a, a next-gen broadcast company. Uh, just looking through their Twitter feed, I noticed they broadcast Mariner, uh, Seattle Mariners games 
as well as Root Sports. So could you tell our listeners uh, more about this deal, how it came about, and what it, we as viewing fans should expect for 21-22 athletic year and beyond? Yeah, you know, like so many things in our in our space, you know, relationships kind of drive a lot of the activity. And Chris Ferris, who's our senior associate AD, overseeing a lot of the external operations for the department, came to us from the University of Pittsburgh and and one of uh, Chris's relationships there was a, a fellow called Lee Burke. And uh, Lee is, uh, works a con- as a consultant in the media space and has just a ton of relationships with, with people. And certainly, um, you know, Avaca is an emerging platform for sports broadcasting. And, and Lee and Chris got in a conversation and recognize that we had some really strong core competencies within our broadcast services group. So it was not a heavy lift for us to make a commitment to Avaca and then they in turn making a commitment to us and being able to produce some live sporting events. Um, those that aren't uh, you know, gonna reach our primary partner and secondary partner with CBS and, and Fox and gives us a chance to uh, you know, build some awareness for, for some of those programs. And I, I think it's gonna be a great partnership for us. And I think it's something that our, our fans will learn to enjoy. And because Avaca was still kind of working on getting their, their full streaming accessible platform up and running, we worked out a deal with Channel 3 to, to get content on as soon as possible. So it's, it's, um, it's gonna be, a, a, I think, a really good thing for a lot of our Olympic sport programs. Yeah, I, I, first thing I did was go see if I have Channel 3 on Comcast because I can't say that I was very well aware of that channel. And there it is. And I, I'm looking forward to uh, having that content. Um, it's kind of reminds me of, you know, days past when we've had, you know, we had our main partners, but then we had a, a local network that you could run everything else that didn't make those first two tiers. So I love it. I love I love having as much content at my fingertips as possible. So So I was excited to read that as well this morning. We got a lot to talk about, Joe, but uh, I know the big one that that everyone wants to know about, and of course, Mike and I as well, is the so-called flirtation between the AAC and the and CSU. And, you know, I guess I'd just start with, um, you know, can you talk a little bit about what that process was like? When did you first hear of the AAC's interest in CSU? I know for me, I was a little hesitant to get on board with it. I, I like the Mount West. I like our local, our regional rivals. Mike was a little more like, hey, a change might be good. There's more TV money. You're aligning yourself with East Coast based teams uh, and schools. You know, so there was there were people all over the board on whether they liked it or not. At, at a minimum, I just kind of liked that we were we were wanted. We were in the news and in, in, in a positive light. So really curious as, as to, how, you know, what that process looked like and, and when you first heard from the AAC and, and how that went. Yeah, it, um, you know, it's, it, it's always interesting as, as these things develop, you know, the one, the one thing that I've consistently said, and I'll continue to say and, and try and make sure we're well positioned. I want to ensure that Colorado State is always playing at the highest level of competition as possible. And uh, really that aligns with, with um, the highest level of FBS football. And certainly with, you know, the news earlier this summer that destabilized the Big 12, you know, the landscape in college athletics is, is, you know, on shifting ground right now. And so I thought it was important for us as an institution to, to be, um, you know, just be involved in every conversation that we can be involved with. And, and that is something we'll, we will continue to do. 
um, you know, a little bit of history and flavor, I guess, you know, when Oklahoma and Texas, when their news was revealed back in July, um, you know, my mind immediately went to, um, you know, that, that the, that there was going to be an emergence of 16, possibly 16 uh, member leagues at the A5 level. Um, and I, I, you know, I thought one of the scenarios could be that, that the big 12 schools, the eight remaining would somehow get pulled into one of the remaining A5 power fives conferences. And, and I just wanted to make sure that we were able to be at the highest level of play. And so I, I'd actually proactively reached out to the American um, because I just want to make sure if that was the direction that we we had we would have opportunities if if the American was intact at 11 and they were try, trying to grow to 16. I just wanted to make sure that we were a part of that conversation and could make a, a, a an informed decision if if that was an opportunity for us. You know, and that would have been the American with Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. Um, so I just didn't want to have us caught flat-footed in any way. And so I, I reached out. Scott Draper is a good friend. He and I worked together at Michigan when he was um, a part of Lloyd Carr's staff. And, and, um, and I just said to Scott, you know, I want to make sure that we're always a part of any conversation related to, to uh, you know, possible changes in, in the landscape as it relates to FBS or uh, FBS football. And, and, um, and so when, when, when it moved in a different direction um, and, and uh, you know, those eight remaining schools had to kind of rebuild within the big 12, you know, we were part of those conversations too. And, you know, ultimately they made a decision that was focused on really two key metrics. And that was how our, our broadcast of uh, the broadcast of our football games were consumed by uh, the viewing audience. So they looked really carefully at, at programs that were delivering TV audiences at the highest level possible. And, uh, and then also football programs that, that have demonstrated uh, over particularly last decade that they, even with coaching changes, that they were able to maintain sustained success. And, and you know, that ultimately led the Big 12 to, to look at um, you know, the three schools from the American and then BYU, which is, you know, a unique program in itself. Um, so, you know, we, we didn't make that round of the Big 12, but, but that, you know, put the American in a position where they were looking for um, opportunities. And, and so I'm going to have, as I said before, as many conversations as I can to understand, you know, where the shifting landscape of college sports uh, may be going. And, and for a while, it looked like there might be interest from four Mountain West schools to, to make a transition. Um, and, and that would have made sense, I think, if, if, uh, if four schools were, you know, looking, um, you know, east, we're on, the, we're on the western edge of that, you know, we're, we're, you know, as it relates to the geography, we're on a footprint that was closest and, um, you know, there's some intrigue, I think, for me about the central time zone and, and, and connections to Texas. I mean, as a state, we're almost contiguous, just separated by that little panhandle of, of Oklahoma. Um, and I think in many ways, you know, we've got to strive for a future that associates with the central time zone and kind of pushes the envelope east. 
Um, and and I think we have that chance now with the Mountain West. You know, we're 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 uh, looking at possibilities to see if there's opportunities for us to to expand as a league. Um, and I think going in the Central Time Zone and, and particularly Texas presents some really unique opportunities. And and I, I would view it not necessarily as a, a move that you know strengthens the league for the next you know one to three years, but I think it's more of an investment in the next three to 10 and just understanding, you know, the growth of Texas as a state, the level of talent across all, all uh, inter, or interscholastic athletics that's in that state. I think that could bode well for us, um, you know, as a, as a institution, CSU, you know, I think our top four uh, states as far as out-of-state students is California, Illinois, Washington, and Texas. So, you know, again, any, any push that we can make into Texas, I think helps, helps not only athletics, but, you know, has a potential to help the institution as well. That's, uh, that's interesting. I want to ask you a little bit more about that in a second, uh, the, the possible expansion of the Mountain West, but, um, and you kind of talked about some of the, the overarching reasons why you looked into a possible move or, you know, the exploration of a possible move to the AAC, but this seemed to get to the point, at least in what the media was saying uh, as far as, hey, this could be announced as early as next week, which would have been, which would have been this week before ultimately um, a couple of days ago it announced that we pulled out and the Mountain West was standing pat. But what, you know, in, in your mind, what did you see as the absolute benefits of saying, okay, this, this makes more sense, let's do this? Uh, you know, the, the, the economics um, of the American with their TV deal is – is, uh, you know, more than what we're receiving in the Mountain West. I think awareness pushing East to, you know, build the awareness for CSU. Um, you know, I, I love the Mountain West. You know, we, we talk a lot about, I have talked a lot about, about us being proud members, founding members of the Mountain West. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not in my mind, any of these conversations aren't trying to escape something that we don't feel good about. It's more about you know, positioning this institution for, you know, the next 10 to 25 years of, of what we want to see for growth, not only in athletics, but, you know, from a university perspective. And, you know, you know, <clears throat> we, we get a lot of people complaining about, you know, kick times and, and um, you know, a whole host of things that are really resident to the fact that we sit in the mountain time zone. You know, we're in the Western United States. We're west of the Mississippi, you know, uh, the majority of the population in the United States is, is, uh, you know, not, not sitting in the mountain time zone. Um, you know, so there's just things that, that inherently you can't change, right. When you live in, uh, Colorado on the, on the front range. And, and if you're ever able to associate East as it relates to, you know, play for for sports and college athletics you know i think there's opportunities there to to broaden and expand and expand awareness so i think for me it was you know maybe maybe enhance financials and then also you know the the ability to kind of tell the story to you know places where there's there's more people so there seem to be a lot of scenarios that were being portrayed in the media and you, you just brought up the possibility of four mountain west schools of moving to the AAC, uh, and those four seem to be San Diego State, Boise State, Colorado State, and Air Force. 
when it was the four compared to just when the media changed it to CSU and Air Force after uh, San Diego State and Boise announced that they were not, how did that, how did all that weigh into our, our, our decision on this? How did it weigh into looking at the AAC and, and ultimately staying in the Mountain West? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the media, you know, God bless them. They've got a job to do. They have, you know, they, they need to take, you know, information from various sources and, and, you know, put a report together that, you know, a lot of times is, is nuanced with speculation. You know, we, 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 you know, the, the, the move being imminent, you know, I mean, I never saw it that way. You know, I don't think any, anyone else in the Mountain West that may have been in conversations or trying to gather information rather was, was seeing um, a decision as imminent. Um, you know, I, I, I have a lot of respect for the people that do their work, uh, both at the conference office here in the Mountain West and the people that are leading the American. Um, but, you know, I, I really think that, uh, you know, we were, we were always in information gathering mode and trying to make you know, the best um, judgments as to what would be in, in our institutional best interests. And, uh, and, you know, the conversations never got quite as far as what was reported in the media. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, campus decision-making has to be, you know, caught up. I mean, most of the conversations were localized into athletics and, and I was, moving information back into other leadership areas of the institution and uh but there was never never ultimately you know uh, a final moment where we were thinking one way or the other and i think it just evolved into you know best for us and and probably best for the other schools that may have been doing their evaluations to to anchor in place and i feel good about that decision and and now it's incumbent on us to to be the best versions of who we can be um, and, and, you know, I think it was Joel who opened up, you know, it, it is nice to be in conversations and, and, and every time that there's been any dialogue about conference realignment, you know, CSU has been a part of that equation, but there are things that we need to do to enhance the story that we can tell. And obviously one of those uh, most importantly is, you know, making sure our football program reaches uh, a higher level of play and sustained success. And, and in turn, you know, we need people that care about CSU on any level to engage around our programs. You know, we need people to show up and support the teams in venue. We need people to, you know, uh, engage with us on social media platforms. We need, uh, you know, just as importantly, we need people to tune in when our games are being played on, on any television platform that we're a part of. We need people to tune in. And, you know, those are things that, you know, I, I feel are, you know, I carry a lot of responsibility for that, but, but ultimately each of us makes decisions on how we spend our time and, and what we do with our time. And, and we need people to feel compelled to, you know, rally around our programs, even when we're not performing because we're being measured every day. Now the final decision obviously is with president McConnell and our board of governors. Um, what was that relationship? What were those discussions like between you? Because you just mentioned how it really was a lot, a lot of you in the forefront with this. But what were those discussions like? And was there ever any concern um, 
from them on leaving our regional opponents and our, and our longtime rivals, uh, you know, as well I, as the increased travel. Sorry. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not sure really where the board may have been on any of this. Um, you know, I was not a part of any, any of those conversations uh, that may have been information moving towards the board level. But I, I'd say it was mostly, you know, as I said, you know, uh, contained within athletics and discussions that we were having and then providing information that might, may or may not have been actionable at some point uh, to, to, you know, executive leadership and, and the board of governors. But, um, you know, with change, there's always things that are, you know, either intended or un unintended consequences. Um, you know, I, it's, it's funny, you know, as we were kind of, you know, within athletics, gathering information, going through, um, you know, our, our, our process, um, you know, and as that was being reported either accurately or inaccurately within the media, suddenly the Mountain West became the greatest conference we'd ever, ever been associated with. And the rivalries meant something to people. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, all I'd ever heard leading up to it is, you know, a lot of criticism for the Mountain West and, and, you know, are these teams really a part of our peer group? And, you know, so fans are fans and I get it, you know, they react to the information that they see in front of them. And, but what it, what it's taught me and what it's taught, hopefully taught others is let's, let's be the best version of who we can be right in our own conference. And if anything else comes forward that allows us to consider, you know, what, another opportunity might look like, let's be, be the best prepared for whatever that might be to have, you know, those conversations. You know, we, we've got a great institution. We live in a remarkable community. We've had high performance from uh, a lot of our programs. You know, we got to get football to a higher level, um, you know, and, and that's the one thing too, that, you know, people have to recognize that, that they play a role in that, you know, you know, being involved, being, being present, buying season tickets, buying individual, individual game tickets, you know, engaging with uh, the program through social media platforms. You know, as I said before, I mean, all those things are tangible measurements that can help us differentiate ourselves from others. Just a couple more questions related to this, Joe. I really appreciate your candidness on it all. Um, how you, you mentioned some of the reasons why you looked into the AAC and what it had to offer. How did you ultimately arrive at the decision to stay put? Did the Mount West lay out a vision for all its current members of, Hey, this is what we're working towards. This is what, you know, how did you ultimately say, Hey, we're staying put. It's the best option for us. Yeah. I, I, I think it just, you know, it, it sort of just develops over the two or three weeks that we were kind of making our quiet assessment. Um, you know, the, the financials, if we'd made such a move could have been enhanced. Uh, you know, there would have been additional travel costs associated with that. Um, you know, what, what, you know, but there's also still, you know, some unknown that's going to probably develop within the next 18 to 36 months. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is, just, you know, having a desire for, you know, greater clarity and understanding what, what ultimately, you know, may be the shifts of, of college football. And it's not, it's not only conference realignment, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on at the NCAA level with, with, uh, you know, reworking the constitution and the governance model for the NCAA. Um, you know, will there be, 
you know, more separation between FBS and, and others in the college athletic space and, uh, you know, how does NLI, you know, factor into, or NIL factor into all of this, you know, there was a, uh, a statement made by the general counsel for the national labor relations board that, you know, is talking about, you know, more clearing the path and a migration towards pay for play um, in the college space. And I mean, all this uncertainty just makes it really hard, I think, to, to make an informed decision about anything in the near term. So, you know, I, I'm really confident that the Mountain West is, is going to, you know, continue and invest in, in our programs and, and uh, you know, seek the highest level of play and, and performance on the field is, you know, something that uh, I think has been demonstrated by the league and, you know, we need to do our part and we will. And, uh, you know, we've got the conference schedule ahead of us and I think our football team has improved over the last four weeks of non-conference play with the bye week coming in a very opportune time. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, you know, just let's get focused on, on what's ahead in the next 18 months. And, and then let's see, you know, where things may be shifting beyond that and be, be as prepared as possible to make whatever informed decisions are in our best interests. Have you, uh, are you happy with the leadership of the Mountain West Conference? I, I've always been a pretty strong proponent of Craig. Um, you know, I, I think he, you know, he can sell what we give to him as campuses, right? Um, but I think we're also at a point in time where we, we need, you know, uh, some, you know, some, some vision and, and, uh, you know, I think Craig's at a point where he can provide that. And I think he's understanding, I think that, that there's a lot of desire, you know, from the, from the campus leadership, both, I think at the AD level and the president's level that, you know, we've, we've got an opportunity to get really focused on what's ahead for us. And uh, as I said, you know, I, I, I really believe that, you know, part of our future can be with more direct alignment with the state of Texas and, and pushing our, our broadcasting envelope into, into the central time zone and, and, you know, preparing for a lot of things, you know, preparing for our conferences future, preparing for what might be future departure of, of Mountain West League members and, and making some direct investments and, you know, uh, you know, expanding the conference, hopefully, maybe, possibly, but all those things have to be, you know, thoroughly assessed and, and, uh, and then, you know, there's 12, 12 members involved with football and 11 with all the other sports. So we've got to, you know, build a consensus as to what we think is, is best as we, as we kind of, you know, soldier forward and, and whatever endeavors that we're focused on. Well, CSU would be one of those votes. Do you, do you think that the rest of the conference and your, your peers and the other 12 presidents um, would be on board with expand? Is that kind of a overarching theme of, of the goals of the league to, to get into Texas or to get it into other States? Can we expect something like that coming up? Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're going to intensify our meetings within the AD peer group to kind of see if we can formulate a consensus and see what a plan might look like to do that. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is, you know, the financials, I think for anyone and everyone and making that assessment, but I think there's also, you know, might be opportunities to, to, you know, recruit some expansion partners that would, 
would be involved for a, a lesser share with the idea that, you know, when we do, do our next round of negotiations with our TV partners, that, that everyone would then be in a, a full share uh, scenario. So I think there's, there's some steps that can be made. And, and I think it's just, we, we're at a point where we need to be as creative as possible and really think through things and, and try and, you know, um, you know, build a strategy that helps us, you know, leverage, leverage our future. Would current AAC members be a possible target? Would, uh, in addition, would, would we re explore the basketball only component? I'd say Joel, everything's kind of on the table, but, you know, I think there's some more likely things that could transpire. Um, but, you know, central time zone, I think is important in my mind. Um, you know, if we, if we could, you know, find a basketball only member or two, you know, that, that'd be, I think helpful for building the mountain West brand on that, on that side of the house. But, uh, you know, we got to be thoughtful in whatever we're doing and, and we're going to, you know, work hard to gather, you know, the appropriate information, have the right levels of conversation to, you know, make a, a full assessment of what's, what would be in the best interest of the Mountain West. You mentioned in the past that you don't, you do not feel that the Big 12 is done expanding. Um, now the Mountain West survived this round of, of conference realignment, especially in regards to the AAC but obviously that will be out the door if an autonomous five um, conference comes calling. You've also mentioned that CSU has been a part. You mentioned that earlier in, in today's uh, podcast that they were part of the com conversation with the Big 12. Um, are we still there? Are we still uh, part possibly of their future? Uh, there, there's not any real direct dialogue happening now, um, you know, but I think Big 12 leadership, both, their conference office and and on some of their respective campuses has said that they're you know anticipating that they may do another evaluation for expansion partners down the road. Um, I, I believe they're they're uh, you know they're capped at 14 by their current broadcasting agreement. So with Oklahoma, Texas still you know within the league, and then you know they're looking to integrate play of the four schools possibly by the 2023 season. Um, you know, that'll put them at 14. So I think until they see Texas and Oklahoma cycle into the SEC, there's probably no, uh, no plan on their part to, to try and grow the league. But, you know, once Texas and Oklahoma make their transition to the SEC, I think there's, there's again an opportunity to, you know, for them to make those considerations and, and evaluate their partners or potential, you know, expansion partners. And, uh, you know, like I've always said, I, I, I want to make sure that we're well positioned to be a part of those conversations if they're, if they're going to happen. So last question about this. What, what's been, you, you mentioned that, that the president level conversations didn't really get too involved at this point, but what, just in general, what is President McConnell's stated goal for athletics? Does she have one? I mean, is there, is landing in an autonomous five league important to her? Does she talk about the front porch a lot like? Dr. Frank did? Um, yeah, I think so. For Joyce, I think she's, she's really focused on, you know, building the brand to CSU and making sure that, you know, athletics is, is, uh, you know, helping, um, assisting with that. I think she views the mission of intercollegiate athletics, very consistent and, and aligned with, 
the overall mission of the institution. You know, we, you know, I think the land grant um, heritage of, of, of CSU with access to education, you know, dovetails directly into what we do in athletics. You know, a lot of our rosters are filled with first generation students and, and certainly students from underrepresented groups. So, um, you know, I, I think Joyce is really committed to intercollegiate athletics being, um, you know, played at the highest level possible. Uh, so I think everything that I've said about, you know, what might be ahead in our future, I think is exactly what Joyce sees as her vision for intercollegiate athletics here at CSU. All right, let me pause real quick and encourage you to visit Ginger and Baker. The drinks, the dining, the atmosphere, they're all unparalleled in Fort Collins. And as we're in the heart of fall, you need to check out their market store. They've got shelves filled with all things football, baking, pumpkins, blankets, other cozy items that'll remind you of fall. And how's this for awesome? If you have apple trees at home or got a bunch of apples otherwise, gather those up, bring them in for their annual apple press at 11 a.m. Saturday, October 9th. Scrumpy's Hard Cider Bar will be there on hand with their press. They'll transform your apples into a box of crisp, fresh cider for just $7. Of course, you should always stop in for dinner at the cash restaurant, especially make your reservations now for homecoming. That is where I'm going to be going. Ginger Graham has a special thing going on here at Ginger and Baker. Stop on into my favorite restaurant in all of Fort Collins. All right. Well, thank you for all those, all those answers and, and shedding light on, on what has been going on the last few weeks. Now, uh, shifting gears. I have the pleasure to uh, watch our orange out match in women's footy. Uh, that was coach Hagen's first win on uh, the program's most goals scored in program history, largest margin of, of victory in CSU history. Um, this weekend, we just picked up our first mountain West road win. Uh, things are really moving in the right direction for, for that program. So do we have an update on the much needed facilities for soccer and softball? Uh, yeah, I, I've got some things I can share. Um, you know, I can't remember if we talked about this in our last uh, conversation or not. So if, if I'm redundant, I, I apologize for that if I'm repetitive. Um, but, but uh, you know, so we, when we turn to the new calendar year, uh, January 2022, <clears throat> that year will mark the 50th anniversary of Title IX. And Title IX was signed on June 23rd um, so of 1973, right? Or, I'm sorry, 1971 or 72. So, so that'll be the 50th anniversary of Title IX will be celebrated in calendar year 2022. And we are trying to really get things aligned so that we could begin um, the soccer softball improvements in that calendar year. And uh, you know, we've got uh, a budget um, of about six and a half million dollars that we can dedicate to the improvements on both facilities. And um, we, we worked on, um, you know, a financing source for that. A few years back, you may recall, we went to the student fee board and asked them to extend a fee that was being used to retire debt service on Moby. And they agreed to do that. So we've been collecting for the last three budget cycle or two budget cycles monies that are student fees. So we've got a bit of a, a bank right now, and we've worked on a financing model that will, won't require us to, to 
to uh, put our project into a larger project. That had been the plan. Um, you may remember we were doing the new residence hall and that got paused for COVID. The bond market's locked up in the spring of 2020. And, and so the university did not advance that project. And so we've been waiting for either the ability to put um, our project into a larger bond issue, or we're looking at some alternative financing, maybe commercial paper that would allow us to get the project started now or, or as close to now as possible. The other assessment that we were doing when we first were contemplating the project, we were envisioning um, pivoting softball into the fence line so that the two fields, you know, two stadiums would be adjacent to one another. Um, and that that sounded really good at the time, but now as we start to see some of the impacts that COVID has had on construction costs, we might also evaluate another alternative and that would be to keep both facilities sited in their current locations and then just you know, improve, enhance in their current locations. And that would help us with some cost efficiencies, particularly with softball. So um, Mike, thanks for the question, but I guess the the quick answer is yes, it's a priority for the institution. It's a priority for President McConnell. We've had several conversations about it. Um, she's given us permission to, you know, work hard to kind of pull all the elements together to get it going as soon as possible. So that's that's what we've been doing. Great. I oh, love hearing that. Love hearing that. Um, homecomings this week. Um, yeah. can, you, can you share, uh, you know, share with our followers all the uh, various CSU athletic events? that uh, we'll be competing in, as well as some of the things that our fans can uh, go out and enjoy for homecoming. Yeah, it's going to be a busy weekend. Um, you know, we've got volleyball. We'll be back on campus. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we've got uh, a scrimmage for men's basketball, which, which hopefully people are putting on their calendar. You know, one of the big tragedies of last year was as the team, you know, played – played well up until last week and was almost in a position to win a conference championship. They finished third. And then instead of the NCAA, maybe NIT, I think one of the biggest tragedies in my mind for, for uh, the season was just um, not being able to, uh, uh, you know, have fans and stands to see those teams perform at the level in which they, they did. So um, but so the scrimmage is one of the things and then, then all the things layered around uh, homecoming will be pretty exciting as well. So ideal kick time, I think, at at 1.30 for people to to hopefully eliminate any concerns as it relates to, you know, the kick time. Um, you know, we've got a partnership with tailgate guys and, and we've got more tailgating subscriptions for this upcoming game than we've ever had in the history of, of Canvas Stadium. So there'll be all of Hughes Way will be filled with uh, prearranged tailgates, and, and a few of those will be out on the lagoon field as well. So it's it's uh, it's great, um, you know, to have things kind of move in the right direction uh, on that. And uh, you know, I, I think I miss, misspoke on volleyball. We, we got road games. Soccer is going to be here this weekend, um, but but you know, it's exciting, Mike. You know. Looks like the weather's going to really work in our favor. Um, so there'll be plenty of things to do and plenty of things to be a part of. And, and uh, you know, but the two primary things on Saturday will be uh, that, that soccer, or rather the scrimmage for men's basketball and then, and then the game itself. How are the ticket sales for the football game? 
you know, I haven't talked to Chris. I think we were a couple weeks ago, we were about at 22,000 tickets distributed. Um, and that was with maybe about 1500 students that had signed up for, you know, to claim their ticket. Uh, but, but I'll, you know, we can try and get you updated numbers. Kyle, have you heard anything? Yeah, Joe, I think, I think we're trending really well. I mean, that, that number of tickets out that early was pretty good sign for, for things to come, especially with that low student turnout, we've been over 10,000. So expecting to get back to that number. Thanks Kyle. Uh, so couple things left for me, Joe. Um, obviously the, the one and three start in the, in football wasn't what we wanted, but we're seeing signs of improvement. You know, the win at Toledo cannot be understated and or overstated. And the, uh, the performance at Iowa last week was, was phenomenal. And it kind of gives hope to that we can see a resurgence here for, through the rest of the season in your in your eyes, what, what would you like to see from the team? What would be considered a success? I mean, you looking for five more wins in, in a bowl appearance, uh, appearance, or what do you think? I think, I think the measure for us is always, you know, get ourselves to a bowl game and, and then win that bowl. You know, I know what, what Steve has been talking about with the team, you know, from week one till, to, to, to this week is, you know, all their, all their objectives are still in front of them. You know, they, they, they believe that they can still compete for a conference championship. So, you know, we've got eight games to go. They're all conference games. So, you know, you win them all and guess what, you know, your objectives achieved, but, you know, for me, it's been really gratifying to see, you know, the, the team competed at a high level. Um, you know, they seem to be improving over every week. Certainly the defense, you know, in the last, two games has, has reached the level of play that we were expecting from, you know, what we saw last year. Um, you know, I think, I think consistency of play is what they're really striving for. And, and I love the messaging. I mean, I've been in the locker room every, every one of our games um, afterwards and, and, and coach has really been, you know, building a foundation for long-term success and sustained success and, the students that are in that locker room are, are buying in, um, they're bought in, they are really committed to what they're doing here. And, and, um, and I'm excited for that. You know, I think that bodes well for what's ahead, not only this season, but, but what's ahead beyond as well. So the start of the season in both football and volleyball weren't exactly, you know, what any of us wanted um, some tough losses but both are looking to, uh, to turn it around. You know, we had the great performance against Toledo, uh, a, probably a, most likely a bowl-bound team. And then we went toe-to-toe with Iowa, number three Iowa last week. And in volleyball, they opened up Mountain West play by sweeping Boise, Utah State, and Wyoming uh, before losing a tough one at, at Fresno. So as an, as an AD, how involved are you with the – with your coaching staffs during difficult times, or is this a completely hands-off approach and you let the coaches coach and you check in periodically uh, throughout the season? Yeah. You know, I, I've got a rhythm of one-on-one meetings with all the coaches try and connect with them at least once a month, one-on-one with a standard set meeting. And then, um, you know, always available for whatever consultations or conversations they need to have with me. So if they've got, you know, things that, that uh, they need to inform me of, if there's roster changes, you know, that's something that, that, you know, they always bring to my attention. And then I, I, I try and get over to practice, um, you know, 
really for all of our programs, you know, if not weekly, you know, at least once every other week. Uh, you know, I, I went over to football. Can't remember. It was after after Vanderbilt, right? And um, you know, you just you never know what the attitude of a, a, a coaching staff will be or, or a head coach. And I was walking off the field with Steve after they finished practice, and I said, "Do you need do you need a pep talk?" And he looked at me like, "What are you even talking about?" You know, <laughs> he, you know his his. <laughs> His remark right away was, you know, hey, I've been doing this a long time. I understand, you know, I need, I don't, you don't need to worry about me, you know, steadying the boat and and we're going to keep the team there as well. So, and that played out very well at Toledo and and obviously, you know, we don't count any moral victories. So the loss at Iowa was, you know, not what the team wanted. You know, they, they realized that they left an opportunity on the field and, and uh, but, you know, now now we turn everything towards conference play and what's ahead. And that is San Jose State. So we got a game to play on Saturday. And and hopefully when the clock expires, we're we can record our first conference victory. Last question, Joe, um, it's it's a weird time in college athletics with NIL. I'm just diff- different from what we're all used to. But one of the things that we're seeing that we hadn't really seen in years past, there's always transfers. Right. But seeing mid-season transfers or transfers happen right before the start of a season. You know, I, I, obviously we saw a shift with players being allowed to redshirt despite playing in what four, you can't play in more than four games, something like that. So this past weekend we saw, you know, the announcement of Marcus McElroy and Ellison Hubbard decide to leave. You know, there's been other guys that have left in the season. You do, you do talk. I mean, it's very likely. And and basically from hearing their tweets and, and hearing Ellison on, on the radio last week, it sounds primarily they want playing time, right? So, but do you still, regardless of what the scenario is, do you, do you ever sit down and have talks with these guys and get get a, a sense of why each person might be leaving and see if there's something underlying or, you know, just to get your, your finger on the pulse of, of what's going on? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we do. I, I haven't connected with either one of those guys, um, you know, since they made their decision, um, you know, from, from what I heard, they managed the conversation well with coach Dazio and the, and the coaching staff. And it, and it was a desire to play more, you know, they, they've got a final season of eligibility and you're right. You know, the, if you play in four games or fewer, you still preserve the year. So I think they made a, a decision at that moment in time, you know, we've had four games um, and, and they had to make a, a choice. You know, I, 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 supportive of whatever decision a student wants to make um you know you you'd hope that they'd think and i'm sure they did you know but there's still a lot of football to be played there's probably opportunities for them to play as csu rams in the next eight games you know especially when you factor in you know just the the nature of the game of football you know there's injuries that can can occur at any time and and then suddenly you know, your number is the one that's being called, but, but we're going to support them and their choice. I think each of them, you know, was in many ways, very satisfied by their CSU experience. Um, but, you know, it's really compelling when you think you have an opportunity to play another season and, and, and uh, you know, so we're going to support them and coach Adazio did in that decision as well. And I think both of them have, you know, made it clear in their public remarks, you know, really what it was for them. Well, great stuff as always, Joe. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us and, and being candid. And, and I know that uh, 
Ram fans are going to be appreciative of, of hearing your commentary on all this. So thank you very much. And we'll look forward to seeing you Saturday. Come on over and have a, a beer on us. Yeah, you bet. Thanks as always, Joe. All right. Before we go, let me encourage you to treat yourself to a Mighty River Brewing Company brew. They have 15 beers on tap, including the Riverfest Marzen. Uh, speaking of, Riverfest uh, just concluded last week. You need to make sure you mark your calendars for next year. This is a great event. a great way to support them. 15 beers on tap that you can enjoy for $5 on Mondays and Tuesdays. They got food trucks regularly throughout the week and music on weekends. Stop on in and say hi to my man, Dan Miller. He's a longtime Ram Nation guy. Great CSU fan, diehard. And don't forget when you're in there to show Ram Nation on your phone and get a dollar off your beers. Support these guys. They're great guys. Great business and great beer. Thank you to Joe Parker, CSU Athletic Director. So cool that he does that for us. Comes on and answers the questions that fans have been asking about and uh, to hear directly from the source why CSU was interested in the AAC, why ultimately CSU decided against that move uh, and all the inner workings of what, what went down there. So it's not there's not a lot of ADs that do this with a fan website. So we are so appreciative of that and, and glad you are here to listen if you can, please give us a review on your favorite podcast site, comment, uh, share on, on social media. You know, we do this for fun, but we put a lot of time into it. And, and the more people that are able to hear it, it makes us happier. So thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your week. Hope to see some of you at Lot 425 for a Ram Nation tailgate. We'll have Parse rum. We'll have lots of beer and food. Uh, and we'll be celebrating homecoming. So hope to see a lot 425 in the basically the library lot right next to the health center. That's it. Thanks all for listening. Have a great week. Go what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.